Hey, I'm Steve Fallon, and thanks for downloading. This time, what it's like being freelance for blogger Kimberly Duran. Getting people's attention and understanding for them what what are they going to get out of this relationship? You know, that's the foremost thing in their mind. They don't care really about me, but if they're going to get something or gain something out of it, then they're going to listen to you. I've actually just wrote myself a list. How can I make money? <laughs> it was as simple as that. Anytime I'm approached to work with someone or to do something, I have to ask myself, will this help or hinder the path that I want to be on? If I answer no, if it doesn't actually help me to achieve my goals, then I need to kind of deprioritize that or I need to say no. Hey, hope you're good. So don't forget, beingfreelance.com is the website where you'll find links to everything we chat about today, key takeaway points, and of course, loads of other episodes as well. Please share the love. Join us on Twitter as well. We are at Being Freelance. But let's say hello to Kimberly. Hey, Kimberly. Hi. Who you may have guessed just from that one short exclamation uh, is American, but is now based in the UK, right in Manchester been here for close to 14 years, 14 years in August. So I haven't, I've clearly not lost my accent entirely. So it does give me away, but I kind of feel like, you know, England is, is home for me now. So let's go back to the beginning of it all then. How you got started being freelance? How, how have you ended up where you are today? Well, I've, I'd been in sales um, to start with, and I moved to marketing about 12 years ago. Um, so I started, I actually started my blog back in 2010. Um, just to kind of document the changes we were making on a house that we'd bought at that point in time. I never had a clue that anybody would actually even be reading it. Um, but I think that's probably where most blogs start. So I did that for a couple of years. I was I was then in 2012, I was working as a product manager, um, predominantly in content marketing and content management. And I was made redundant from my position. So it kind of gave me an opportunity to sort of step back and start to evaluate, you know, what did I actually really want to do with my life? Um, I was really enjoying the blogging. I was enjoying writing about interiors. Um, I was starting to gain an audience on my blog. And I ended up taking a job as the editor of AO.com's lifestyle blog. At the time, it was called AO at Home. Um, so from there, you know, the blog started to go from strength to strength. The um, AO at Home started uh, to get gain some popularity and it and it really started to be noticed more. So, you know, we won an award. I had um, more opportunities arise from other businesses who who had noticed AO at home, and they were looking to get advice and support on their own blogs, and they were asking me to write for them as well. And then in the meantime, um, my own blog was featured. Swoonworthy was featured in a number of magazines and some large websites picked up on it. And my audience there started to grow as as well. And I was starting to be approached by um, a lot more companies to collaborate with them on my own blog. So at the time I was I was working full time. I was commuting an hour, you know, back and forth for a full time job. And then I was coming home to work in the evenings uh, and at weekends, as you do. And I was basically working kind of two full time jobs at once. So my work-life balance was just basically completely out of whack. I had no social life, you know, was taking a strain on my relationship, to be honest. But, you know, we both knew that there was an end goal out of it. So we sort of struggled through it. Um, and then in 2014, I decided to go down to part-time um, at my job. And, and that helped. But the more I found I put into the freelance side of things, the more I was actually getting back from it, which is, is you know, is exactly what you want from that. But even working part-time wasn't really giving me 
um, that freedom that I felt like I needed. So in November of 2014, I actually gave notice um, at my full-time job and I decided to go fully freelance and happily or um, serendipitously, I was actually contacted the day before I was planning on giving my notice by a digital media company who needed freelance writers for some of the clients that they were working with. And I think at the time it was sort of a sign to me that, you know, it was the right step that I was taking. So um, over Christmas and New Year's break, while everybody else was kind of stuffing their faces with mince pies, I was spending, I think I spent about 100 hours I'm clearly not a web designer, but I spent about 100 hours just completely redesigning my website, um, created all new branding. I moved my blog from um, Blogger to WordPress, and I kind of just made a lot of goals for myself for the new year, and I started thinking more about how I could um, diversify my avenues of revenue. Um, so I'm really, at this moment in time, I'm really only a full few months into being completely full freelance. And the happy thing is I've never been busier. So I still do a lot of writing and I do consultancy work um, as a freelancer for AO. Um, so that was great. I was able to maintain my relationship with them. But I've also got a number of business clients that I write for regularly for their blogs. And I also offer consultancy for businesses for their own blogs. And that's sort of my bread and butter. Um, but then I also do one-off collaborations with various companies, usually interior design related for my own blog as additional income. So, um, and then finally, I, I, I just launched my first digital publication last month in February, um, working with a number of smaller independent businesses. Um, it's called The Little Black Book, which I intend to be a biannual publication. So that's another stream of revenue there. So, and that's it really, you're all caught up. <laughs> that's it. No biggie. No biggie. <laughs> Jeez. So you started your blog just five years ago. Yes. Not intending anybody to see it, but then no. it have, I mean, you said at one point there that your blog got picked up by, so if, um, if people haven't picked up on it by now, it's an interiors blog, you know, as in yes. interior design. So um, that was clearly your passion. You then said you, that blog got picked up. So how did that happen? Did people just stumble across it or did you go after? Um, to be fair, people stumbled upon it. <laughs> um, I think what happens sort of in the blogging community is you develop um, relationships with other bloggers because obviously you have things in common with them. So um, what ends up happening is you, you start developing those relationships with other people. They then feature your blog on their site. Um, I think one of the things though, that did happen that was sort of a catalyst uh, in, in my growth in terms of international uh, press was um, I actually sent in pictures of my home to a very, very big blog called um, Young House Love. At the time, they were hugely popular. Um, and so I sent my pictures of my home. I thought they might want to feature it on their blog. And um, it took two years for them to come back to me because of their waiting list. But uh, it took them two years to come back to me. And they said, yes, we'd love to feature your house and your blog. Um, and so they featured it. And I think the amount of traffic that I got back to my website that day actually crashed my site. <laughs> 
Wow. So it was a huge burst of um, of publicity yeah. for me, um, especially in the U.S. I mean, my, my audience at the moment is is probably half and half U.S., U.K., and that, you know, a number of other mm. countries. But um, but that was a real catalyst in terms of people just, you know, getting to know you and and, and seeing, you know, what I was actually doing. So once a, a large blog like that sort of picks up on what you're doing in your blog, um, they blast that out to their audience and all of a sudden you've got a lot of new followers and a lot of new people looking at your stuff. So that certainly helped. It's interesting that um, we spoke to Barry the other week. He's a uh, web developer and it was being made redundant that gave him that push Mm. for something he'd been wanting to do. Uh, And it sounds like it was a similar feeling for you. Absolutely. When I was told um, that there was a possibility of redundancy, I sort of came home. I poured myself a big glass of wine, as you do. Um, I opened my laptop and I thought, well, let me just see what else is out there. And I stumbled upon the job that day. I stumbled upon the job as an editor of a lifestyle blog for a company. And, you know, if it if it wasn't for that timing, I don't know really that I'd be fully freelance at this moment in time because it was just it was just all it just all ended up working out really well. So it was enough of a push. I didn't even know if I was getting that job at the time, obviously, but it was enough of a push that I felt confident that it was probably the right thing that um, that that redundancy was actually the right time that I needed it to kind of make a move. Yeah. And then great also to be able to go part time. Yeah, they they were. I have to admit, they they were great with me uh, at AO, and they understood that I was kind of juggling, you know, two different two different blogs really at the time, my own blog and their blog. Um, so we sort of worked out an agreement. Um, it took a few months, obviously, of negotiations to kind of get that started. Um, but it was a it was a real it was a real blessing that you know they they really liked what i was doing and they they understood the value that i was bringing to the company um and so they allowed me to go to go part time and and even then knowing that eventually i would i would be leaving the company but um it was quite a nice it was quite a nice opportunity for them to give me that i didn't have to actually quit the job fully um to to kind of you know start dipping my feet in the freelancing world. Would you say that your uh, origins in sales, which you mentioned right at the beginning, has helped in being a freelancer? Yeah, I definitely think so. Because I worked basically in sales and in marketing and kind of knowing how to market yourself, which I think for, from what I can tell, for the general uh, English population, (laughs) and I will speak in generalities here, but they cringe at marketing themselves. You know, yeah, they cringe yeah. at putting themselves forward and saying, hey, I'm the best. I'm, I can do this. I'm great at that, you know. And as an American, I think my upbringing has actually helped me out because, you know, there's, there's an expression, there's no shame in my game. Because if I need to self-promote myself, I will. <laughs> I don't, I'm not shy about pushing myself forward um, and, and, you know, getting getting my name out there. And because I've worked in sales and marketing for years, you know, the, the fundamentals are are ingrained in me now. So, you know, I understand what it is that people want to hear that if I approach someone via email or a phone call, you know, getting people's attention and understanding for them, what, what are they going to get out of this relationship? And that's their foremost, you know, that's the foremost thing in their mind. They don't care really about me per se, but if they're going to get something or gain something out of it, then they're going to listen to you. So I think it's those sorts of principles that definitely 
um, have helped in terms of my own, you know, my own freelancing journey and my own, my own growth. Those things have always come into play. It's so true between the Brits and uh, and the Americans. It's, it's an interesting difference, isn't it? It is. We're a little bit annoying, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be too overbearing. I kind of I kind of taper it a little bit, you know, with the sort of my English sensibilities um, and my American um, confidence. You, know, you have to kind of balance the two out. It doesn't always work um, in this country. It wouldn't necessarily always work if I was sort of full on. But yeah, there's there's definitely something in there. Yeah, like a happy medium between America's yes. Next Top Model and Coronation Street. <laughs> exactly. That's what we need to find. Yeah, I'd like to see that show, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's only last November that you, you yes. finally went freelance. I'm glad it's going so well. Thank you. You mentioned the fact that you were looking to diversify your revenue. So sounds like from the very beginning there, albeit not that many months ago, that you're thinking, I can't just rely on being able to write for certain people or write for myself. And Yeah, I mean, I knew that just working on, on you know, with one client was never going to be enough to support myself. So I started looking at kind of other avenues and other things that I could do to sort of bring cash flow in. How did you go about that? Um, so I, I've actually just wrote myself a list. How can I make money? <laughs> it was as simple as that. So I started thinking about um, the consultancy side of things and how to pursue that. Um, I, I can only kind of, because of time constraints, I can only take on a couple of clients at a time. So, um, you know, I've kind of chosen carefully of who I want to deal with. Um, I also, um, like I said, I, I, one of the goals for my year was to start um, my own digital publication, um, which I was able to do. And I kind of got started on that as soon as my redesign was finished. That was my next sort of goal is to get to create a publication for my readers um, that essentially acts as a very beautiful and very posh um, directory of independent interior design shops that I shop in and that I would recommend to them. So it was a means of um, having something, a, a resource on my site for readers, and it was something that I hadn't seen done before. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time uh, contacting co the, the businesses that I felt the most strongly about having in this publication, um, approached everyone individually about the concept, about what they thought. It was just another means of having some income coming in as well and being able to give something back to my readers at the same time so yeah it's it's really nice um i recommend we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes oh thank you uh, to sort of describe it quickly to people it's it's a bit like a really sexy voucher book it is <laughs> um you're looking at an interior design magazine is what it kind of feels like yeah but at the heart of it is like you like this well here's the shop and here's a code so do you then get a revenue stream back if people use that code, like an affiliate, basically? Um, it's thing, not or? actually set up in a, as an affiliate um, at this moment. However, the next one that I do, that's my intention. It was sort of, I needed to kind of start somewhere. Oh, right. So I so I basically charged them a flat fee um, to, to be a part of it. But yeah, in time, definitely want to do affiliates. It's really creative. I love it. It's um, thank you. You know, it, it's yeah. beyond just a blog. It's and yet it's not quite creating that sort of passive income product which will last years because trends change and stuff. So like absolutely, said, yeah. And with that's part of the reason why I want to do it biannually. Mm. It's a lot of work to do it 
you know, month to month. But even in creating that, you are also showcasing your skills, uh, both in interior design and your passion and the writing and everything as well. So it, it also acts like a portfolio piece of work too, right? It, yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. And it, and it puts um, me kind of um, in front of some, some of these businesses who had, you know, maybe had, didn't never heard of me or, or hadn't worked with me in the past. Um, and then I'm gaining opportunities from that where they're saying, oh, actually, you know, we'd like to work with you on something else. Can we, you know, ah, can we talk about maybe a sponsored yeah. post? Or can we do something? So it was sort of a foot in the door to getting, you know, getting some kind of relationship going with some of the smaller businesses that, that I featured. So that you could provide content marketing consultancy or writing for them or like you say, um, either writing for them or um, featuring them on my own blog uh, in, by, by means of like a sponsored post, that, that sort of thing. So I get that's other income that I get in as well is that when I speak about um, a product or a service of another company, they'll pay me for that. So they're considered basically they're just considered sponsored posts. Um, but obviously, that's another that's another revenue stream. I accept a certain number of them every month. You mentioned writing yourself a, a list of goals. Yeah. How important is goal setting in getting you to where you've reached in quite a short period of time? Um, I think if you don't kind of keep your eye on the prize, it's very easy to just sort of keep churning out the same thing and um, you're not really offering, you know, as far as my blog is concerned, you're not really offering your readers anything new or interesting and you will end up losing your audience and your audience really and your visitor rates are probably the most important thing that you need to gain um, relationships with with businesses because obviously if you have no audience then they're probably not going to be interested in working with you. So um, it's really important that you know things are are constantly you know improving and changing and um, and you know things are getting better and and your reader experience is is more positive and you've got that interaction with them and I think without sort of setting those goals for yourself, um, it's very easy to just fall into the trap of assuming, well, everything's fine, so I don't need to actually do anything. I don't need to, you know, if it's not if it's not broke, don't fix it sort of thing. But um, you do constantly need to evolve and change. And um, with, I think, one of the challenges of writing about interior design is that you need to stay relevant and you need to be on top of the latest trends, um, you know, without being a slave to them. And you've got to do things that other people aren't doing because blogs, unfortunately, are a dime a dozen these days. So you have to be unique to stand out. And the only way to really do that is to, you know, offer something different and to keep that ahead of what everyone else is doing. So I think those goals are really absolutely necessary when, when you're blogging, um, not just in terms of, of your statistics or your numbers or your reach, but, you know, what you're actually offering to people on your site. Quite, quite a lot of people find themselves blogging as part of their part of their freelance uh, career so that you know as in marketing themselves so yeah. they're not blogging as their career but it's part of their marketing what advice would you give to those people i think it's blogging is a is a great route in terms of marketing but it's not a an overnight sort of a thing. I mean, at least in my own experience, it hasn't been an overnight sort of a thing. There are so many blogs out there that, um, as I said, you really kind of need to be doing something different and something unique and something quite um, 
personal. If you really kind of hone your unique voice and your unique style, you don't have to spill every single detail of your personal life. And I certainly don't do that on my blog. But, you know, you off, you need to offer a bit of, of yourself and it needs to be, you know, it, your readers need to feel like they're getting to know you a little bit. So to be yourself in your writing. Absolutely. You have to be authentic. I think, you know, readers are, are not stupid, you know, in, in this sort of world of, of what I write about interiors. If you're only offering sort of the perfect space People don't like that. They want to know that you're human. So, you know, I show sometimes the, the jobs that have gone completely wrong. But it's that sort of, that's that authenticity that really comes through that's so important. How do you go about finding clients? So away from creating your own blog? Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky in that the work that I do... It, because it's on the internet. I mean, it's very much in the public eye. And thankfully, because of press that I've received, um, both offline and online, um, I have a much wider audience that gets to see what I do. But however, um, if there's a particular company that I want to work with, then I will contact them. So what I have created is a media kit that is sort of like uh, a CV slash portfolio for my blog, which outlines um, where I've been featured, what my blog is about, uh, who my audience is. Um, it's got stats on there for things like my visitor numbers and audio demo, uh, audience demographics and um, quotes from companies that have worked with me in the past. Um, and so I have something that I can present to a company that gives them all the information that they need in a very kind of easy to read through um, presentation. Essentially, it's just a PDF. Um, and not a lot of bloggers have this. So, and it's you know, if if any of your listeners are bloggers, it's a really great way to kind of create something that you can go to come to companies with. Um, and because not a lot of bloggers have it, it really ends up setting you apart from others out there. And it's it's a foot in the door when you know you're coming across as very prepared and very professional. And businesses like to see that. So I I do have that, and I will send that out um, to companies. In fact. I just did that the other day, um, two days ago, I think it was. It was a wallpaper designer um, who creates the most amazing, beautiful designs. Um, but the wallpaper is incredibly expensive. So um, I got in touch with her about collaboration. And, you know, she really liked what I was doing. And she's given me a, an amazing discount on it. So, you know, there's there's always ways and means of working with people. But, you, you know, you definitely have to kind of get yourself out there, send out your media kit. I'm also really active on social media as well. So um, Pinterest and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I use all of those platforms to promote myself as well. Being prepared and professional, that's, I mean, that's good advice whether you're a blogger or not. Yeah. Putting together what you've got so that you're not just sending a random email to somebody, you're going at them with an idea. Yes, absolutely. And I think what I have outlined in there as well is how I like to work with companies, um, you know, the things that I that I would prefer to do in terms of working with them. Um, and I find as well that it sort of opens up the conversation in terms of negotiating uh, something that's, you know, maybe unique to them or it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a sort of stepping stone for developing a, a better relationship with them. I don't necessarily have to follow every single thing that I have in that pack, but it starts a conversation and that's kind of what I want um, so that they can kind of get an idea of how I've, you know, what I've done for other companies in the past. And then, you know, if we can create something unique that works for them and works for me, then, you know, all the better for it. 
you've mentioned sponsored posts and things like that. Yes. It must be very tempting when this is now your full time career to, you know, take as many of those on as you can. So how do you get that balancing act? I th- it's funny because I think a lot of bloggers a while ago realized that you can actually make some good money being a blogger. And yeah, one of those ways is by carrying a lot of sponsored content. So, you know, a company will offer you money to talk about their products or their services. And the temptation is there to accept every single offer that comes your way. But the problem is then that you risk diluting your brand and you risk losing your readers. And, you know, as I said to you before, readers are smart. They don't want to be sold to. They want to feel like it's an authentic experience, what they're reading. So there's a real danger um, of accepting so much sponsored content that you end up with what just looks like a blog of full of advertorials. So yeah, you could support yourself for a little while doing that, but you will end up after a while, your visitor numbers are going to plunge. And um, it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's that really maintaining that balance. So for me, um, it's really about being choosy, very, very choosy about who I work with, um, making sure that the company's products suit that sort of eclectic boho glam niche that um, that I've worked you know, so hard to sort of um, get on my blog. And it's really just making sure that whatever I'm presenting to my audience, it's giving something back to the readers. So I have to look at it from the reader's perspective at all times to make sure is what I'm giving – them or what I'm telling them about or this product or this service, is it good enough that I think they're going to want to hear about it? Um, and if, the, if, if I answer no, then it doesn't go on the blog. So at the moment, I only accept a very certain number of sponsored posts every month. And once that's filled, I don't accept any more. So it's really kind of keeping that balance between you know working with companies and getting that income in and then staying also true to your readers. So um, I think it's a delicate balance. And I've seen bloggers, unfortunately, go far too into the sponsored posts thing because of that temptation. And essentially ruin you know their brand and ruin their blog um, because of it because of that temptation so it's just something and I think this is where kind of diversifying your income comes in um, in that you're not just dependent upon sponsored posts on your own blog that you're doing something else outside of your own blog um, that's going to bring in some kind of some kind of revenue sort of like a, a spin-off take from that is also the fact that as a freelancer it can be very tempting to take every gig that comes along. But yeah. <laughs> if you're not taking the ones which actually suit what you're trying to achieve, you know, the sort of work you're trying to do, the sort of clients you're trying to work with, then um, then that can have a negative effect as well. Absolutely. I think um, one of the – I think going back to setting goals as well, um, I think it serves as a sort of visual mental reminder when you have your goals written down in front of you that any time I accept or any time I'm, I'm approached to work with someone or to do something, I have to ask myself, will this help or hinder or slow down the path that I want to be on? And if if I answer no or if it doesn't actually help me to achieve my goals, then I need to kind of deprioritize that or I need to say no. So everything I do has got to be focused back on those goals and every, and that's a day-to-day thing rather than, you know, just a yearly sort of airy, very sort of, you know, thought that, oh, I'd like to achieve this. It's let's look at everything individually and see will it help, help, actually help me to achieve those things. Nice. Okay. Now, um, we always do this. Tell me three facts about yourself or your career. Make two true, one a lie, and I'm going to figure out the lie. Okay. First one. 
is I was grazed with a bullet when I was in my early 20s in the States, and I still have a scar on my arm. Whoa, okay. The second one was that I ran away to get married in Vegas, and I didn't tell my parents until a month later. (laughs) Right. And number three, I moved 20 times over the course of 20 years. Wow. Are you on the run? Um, (laughs) Bullet. Grazed by a bullet when you were growing up in America. I mean, I had a similar thing when I got hit by a swing ball when I was... um, (laughs) It's almost exactly the same thing. That's the English version of that story. (laughs) How did that happen, though? It was a hunting accident. Ah. Because you've got red hair. Did they think you were a fox or something? What was the deal? It was with my brothers, and we were in the woods, and we were hunting squirrels. <laughs> and the gun accidentally went off. Jeez. Yeah. So he could have shot me, but um, happily, it just grazed my arm. Good grief. And then you ran away to Vegas to get married. What was the wedding like? Did you do the Elvis Chapel thing? or? Um, no, but we did end up going to one of the very, very many chapels that were there. Um, and it was an overnight thing where we hopped a plane, um, went to Vegas and got married and flew out the following day. And you've moved 20 times in 20 years. Why? Change. <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I craved change all the time. I would I would feel like I was stagnant in the same place. Um, it could have been, you know, a move of 15 miles or it could have been a move of 1,500 miles. But yeah, I, I tended to move a lot. I actually really liked, strangely, I don't anymore, but I really liked moving. <laughs> okay, I think clearly you just love phoning utility bill companies. And <laughs> that one, that one's true. So I think grazed by, oh, I think you got grazed by, I don't think Vegas is true. I don't think you got married in Vegas on a whim. You're wrong. Oh, man! <laughs> I did get married in Vegas. Um, I didn't get grazed with a bullet. Oh, that was, you were so convincing! <laughs> I just, it's because I'm American and people assume that everybody has guns. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to, to me, isn't that awful? That there was absolutely nothing wrong with the idea of you and your brother <laughs> shooting squirrels for kicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're very good. Very good. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. If there's one thing you could, I mean, I know technically you've you've been properly freelance for a, a matter of months, but you've yes. obviously been building up to that on the side uh, for a number of years. So, is there anything you would tell your younger self about being freelance? Um, I probably would tell my younger self to start a blog much sooner than in 2010, um, probably maybe in 2005. And the reason for that is because of how long it takes to grow a blog. And the earliest ones that were on the scene at the time obviously stood out. And I had the idea for a blog a long time before I actually started it. And I wish that, you know, I'd, I'd not let my fears of starting a blog sort of stand in my way. And I started it a lot sooner. So, yeah, I think I would have told my younger self to stop wasting time lining other people's pockets and just go for it. And, and also and also to keep better track of your expenses because tax time is rubbish. So, yeah, I think I would have told myself that, you know, two years ago as well. 
Nice, nice. Um, Thanks so much. How can people find you online? Um, You can find me on my blog. It's swoonworthy.co.uk. Oh, when you went for a .co.uk, did your family like ostracize you or something? (laughs) That's a statement. (laughs) It is. I'm a UK-based blogger, so you know that's it's a little it's a little shout out to to my my new home country so yeah it's a uk. that and the other links of course are in the show notes at beingfreelance.com you can also check out all the previous episodes we've had if you've enjoyed them please do subscribe Kimberly thanks so much best of luck with Swimworthy best of luck being freelance thank you so much thank you so much appreciate the time 